Hello and welcome. You're listening to Adventures in the Veil, an RPG discussion podcast. I'm Jake. I'm Ross. Sit back and relax by the fire, for there are tales to be told. Have that right out. All right, welcome back to the Adventures in the Vale Tavern Cast. My name is Ross McClure, aka Mythic Mountains, and I'm joined once again at the Cozy Crow Tavern with my friend Jake. Hello. So, Jake. Yes. The game. Uh, I mean, like the game. Like we we usually talk about Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. So, like, what 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 was that about? What's that about? <laughs> you mean like RPGs in general? I mean, what's what do you mean by the game? No, Dungeons and Dragons in particular. Oh, um, it's usually about uh, a dungeon, and then there's like a dragon there, and then you get treasure. That's usually like the three pillars there: dungeon, dragon, pillar. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, you're a new uh, dungeon master. Goblins in a goblins in a cave, right? Right. Yeah. Why not not have a dungeon? Why not have the goblins in a thicket or uh, just uh, in an open area or in, even in a town or, or etc. Hmm. I mean, you can put them wherever you want to put them. I guess. I, you I think could put them anywhere you want to put them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think as long as you know where they are, then that's good enough. Uh, I like. I like putting goblins in gross places. I think grob- goblins go in gross places. That's like that should be on a T-shirt. Got yes, uh, and you do. <laughs> you succeed uh, at putting goblins in gross places, and and you succeeded it tonight in making some gross places uh, mm. that I ventured in. So it's funny because I I don't like gross places, but it just seems to be like that's what <laughs> that's where the monsters are usually. Yeah. And that's where the treasure is, uh, for some reason. Mm. Okay, so what I want to do, I want to, I want to go on a journey right now, and I'm just going to kind of present these and get your, get your thoughts on it. Okay. Okay. All right. This first book I have in front of me, it's for a little game. It's called uh, Dungeons and Dragons, uh, and I think at the time it was just called Dungeons and Dragons. Most people know it as Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition. Uh, mm. Released in 2014 by Wizards of the Coast. Uh, it has uh, three books. Nowhere in the first book, the Player's Handbook, which contains the actual rules of the game, will you see anything about how to be in a dungeon. But in the third book, the Dungeon Master's Guide, Chapter 5, it says Adventure Environments. And it says this Many DD adventures revolve around a dungeon setting. So there it goes, the very first sentence. So what is a dungeon? It says this. Dungeons in D&D include great halls and tombs, subterranean monster lairs, labyrinths riddled with death traps, natural caverns extending for miles beneath the surface of the world, and ruined castles. In the second paragraph, it then says, not every adventure takes place in a dungeon. 
then goes on to describe a bunch of things other than dungeons. And then it goes back in the third paragraph. Within a dungeon, adventurers are constrained by walls, and there are doors. In a wilderness, adventurers can travel in any direction. Therein lie the key difference between dungeons and wilderness. It is easier to predict where an adventuring party may go in a dungeon because the options are limited. Hmm. So this, to me, brings up two things, two lines of thought. Uh, the first one is it brings up this concept that I talked about um, when I talked about uh, how I run games is, is making it a closed matrix, like this this closed loop system. Uh, and to give the players limited options is to give yourself concrete foots to stand on, right? That's the first line of the thought. Um, and the second line of thought is that a dungeon needs to be a literal dungeon. Uh, but I, I think that to say what that... Do, what do you mean a literal dungeon? You mean it's like a, a place yeah, where like, you it's like a, like uh, it's, keep it's, people and like, yeah, like you prisoners? Yeah, keep people under a castle. Yeah, that's like a dungeon, right? So I always thought when I started running Dungeons & Dragons that dungeons literally needed to be under a castle or under a tower, like these, these catacombs and things. Um, but a dungeon doesn't happen to be that. I think the first time I had my eyes open to that is when I saw Ghost of Salt Marsh, and one of the the dungeons is is a haunted house, and it just like I was it like, blew my mind. I was like, wait, this is a haunted house, but it's a dungeon, and like, wait, the walls don't have to be made of stone, and you don't have to have like this motif with it. You can change it up, and and that's where I think it's funny is in that paragraph it says wilderness and dungeons are two different things, but you can literally have the wilderness be the dungeon, like that that oh. is the dungeon. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, that's that's cool. Um, all right, let's continue on our journey. I, I, um, mm, okay. All right, this 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 next book, this next book, is also called Dungeons and Dragons. Never heard of it. That's that's I, I know it's, <laughs> it's kind of a it's a weird thing. Yeah. Some people are into it. I think they worship Satan or something. Oh but man, it's gross. I know. Yeah, I know they're gross, but um, but anyways, well, I, mean, I don't um, mean to like shame on any religion, but okay, that aside. <laughs> all right, moving on. Uh, uh, it was this uh, game was called Dungeons and Dragons in 1974. It had three books. Um, the first book, uh, which I believe is called Men and Magic, without looking at it, does have rules for what to do in a dungeon for the characters, for the players. The third book is titled The Underworld and Wilderness Adventures by Gary Gygax and Dave Arneson. It has a lovely drawing of a dungeon, which I, I can't wait. To, I, I gotta send you this. It looks like it looks like one of your girls drew it. And I mean oh, like really? one of the younger ones. Yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> it's awesome. I, I think it yeah, and then it has incursive dragon with the R capitalized. It's great. Anyways, um, and then the first words it says for this whole book, the first words it says, before it is possible to conduct a campaign of adventures in the mazy dungeons, it is necessary for the referee to sit down with pencil in hand and draw these labyrinths on graph paper. So it doesn't describe it at all. It doesn't tell you what it is. It just launches right into that. Now let me skip ahead five years um, to another book. 
this one is not called Dungeons and Dragons. It's called Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. So it gets real fancy. Two things here. It says for the campaign. So you're, we talked about you're a dungeon master. How do you get started? Well, Gary Gygax, he tells you, you know, he calls, it says setting things in motion. Now he goes on for about four paragraphs. I won't torture everybody with how Gary describes things because we'll be here all night just doing that. <laughs> but let's skip ahead to the third paragraph. The general idea is to develop a dungeon of multiple levels. The deeper adventurers go, the more difficult the challenges become. The fiercer monsters, more deadly traps, more confusing mazes, and so forth. This concept applies to areas outdoors as well. With more and more terrible monsters occurring more infrequently, the further one goes from civilization. I'm going to skip ahead in the book to Appendix A, which is titled Random Dungeon Generation. And it says, when you need help in designing a dungeon, whether it's a level in your main dungeon or a labyrinth discovered elsewhere, which implies that there's a main dungeon for the whole game, the following random dungeon generation could be helpful. It says the upper level uh, above the dungeon in which adventures are to take place should be completely planned out. And it's a good idea to use the outdoor encounter matrix to see what lives there. A staircase, discovered later, just might lead right in the midst of whatever it is. The first level of the dungeon is always begun with a room. That is a stairway that leads down to a room, so you might go immediately to basically where it says how to generate that. And that is the starting area. Discretion must prevail at all times. So, not only does he agree <laughs> that wilderness is also a dungeon, but he gives you precise procedures of what to do in the circumstances. I think it's funny to see the difference there in, like, literally one is, like, if you can follow this procedure, you can run a game. While the other one is, like, if you can conceptualize this space, then you can have a game probably, like, like in, in some some way but like one of them gives you concrete information of like what to do without the context of like understanding any of it and the, other, and the other one was like i hope you understand this and let us give you no tools now tools now that you understand it's so funny the difference there that's great but they're both the same game they're both called dungeons and dragons that's weird yeah except that understand. second one you know but the first two yeah they're both called dungeons and dragons you, you think there might have been like some kind of copyright suit and a whole lawsuit involved with that or something where it all would have come to a head for some reason. Yeah, I think that something like that can't happen nowadays. There can only be one type of game like that, you know what I mean? Like if it has the name, it can only be one type right. of game. There's no other game that can exist with that name. i got to flip some pages to get to this one. I know the pain. <clears throat> We're going to edit out all this dead stuff. Yeah, silence. we will. <laughs> okay, okay. I was like, I can start filling it with Jabber. <laughs> um, let's see here. i got to skip back to the beginning here. This reminds me of me tonight looking through my maps. And I was like, wait, now I'm lost. Where are we <laughs> Thank Thankfully, I have learned, I've learned the way that I read notes in-game is very different than how I read them out of game. And I have to use shorthand with myself, otherwise I get lost. So I figured that out at least, and I was able to reconcile okay this next book is called dungeons and dragons 
Hmm. Yeah, you you would imagine there'd be all kinds of lawsuits over 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 this, <laughs> you know, or something. Uh, this one, this game, titled Dungeons and Dragons, it's published by a company uh, called TSR, the Game Wizards, and uh, TSR Hobbies Incorporated. It says that it was um, edited by Tom Moldvay on the very first page. Part 1 Introduction. It says this in great big bold letters. Read this section carefully. And then immediately after, it says this. It is the DM, which it defines previously as Dungeon Master, and then puts in parentheses herein DM is Dungeon Master. It is the DM's job to prepare the setting for each adventure before the game begins. And they describe what an adventure is before this. The setting is called a dungeon. Since most adventures take place in underground caverns or stone rooms beneath old ruins or castles. That seems to confirm your early suspicion. The right. dungeon is carefully mapped on paper, usually graph paper. A dungeon may be designed by the DM or it may be purchased, called a dungeon module. Whether creating a new dungeon or carefully studying a module, the DM must be willing to spend more time in preparation than the players. The DM's job takes the, the most time, but is also the most creative and rewarding. And then it says each game session is called an adventure. An adventure lasts as long as the players and the DM agree to play together. An adventure begins when the party enters a dungeon and ends when the party has left the dungeon and divided the treasure. It may last an hour or fill an entire weekend. Wow. So that says that there is no such thing as a game outside of a dungeon. Yeah. Which is very interesting to me. Because in that definition of the game, there is no wilderness. There is no... There According is no... to that book of Dungeons and Dragons, it doesn't mention a wilderness, as far as I know. There, and there's no, there's no city play. There's, there's, no, there's no taverns. There's, can you imagine not having a nice place like this to sit? I know, this place is great. Oh, that's crazy to me. Like, it's so funny. That these are all games with very similar names. So, yet, I mean, they're the they, same name. They're the same name. Oh. And this one was published in 1981. Uh, but it's I the same name. I thought maybe one of them was missing an S, where it's like Dungeon and Dragons, and one was Dungeons yeah. and Dragons, and that's like how, how Like a Chinese company thing. will call it Nikes or something. Yeah. Right. Or the good fit shoe. Or like that. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, what, so what do, what do you think about that definition of a dungeon? Uh, I don't like that one as much. Really? Uh, that one sounds... It, to me, the idea of a game is nothing but dungeon crawling is a very specific type of game. Ah. Uh, that just doesn't appeal to me. Because, like I said, the idea that other things can also be a dungeon... The idea that a wilderness, you know, walking through the woods is equally as legal right. and interesting, and in, and in like as as going through a dungeon, that to me, like it just defines that if if you can only have fun in dungeon crawling, that the closed loop of 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 find danger, find treasure, get out, find danger, find treasure, get out, like that's like how the loop goes, right? That loop can happen in any type of atmosphere, 
in any type of you know situation and that variability adds replayability to but me. didn't you say that the wilderness could also be a dungeon or the wilderness is a dungeon yeah that's what i'm trying to say and it, 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 according to that definition isn't the whole game dungeon calling then though yes but to me i think uh, i don't know to me it's like the visual uh, like representation of the rules like the visual representation of like making that definition of what is a dungeon of does it have to be stone corridors under a castle or can it literally be anything like yeah they, they only gave like cool, two examples and they were it was like stone corridors right. and something under a castle i think is yeah so yeah so like to me like coming up with different ways to interpret that and and what a dungeon can be can it can make a game way more interesting all right so we've talked about this game Dungeons and Dragons, although there are different companies that and different era times that this title that it's it was titled Dungeons and Dragons, and I, I swear there must be all kinds of legal actions across the decades over this. I don't know, but let's just say let's exit Dungeons and Dragons, and let's come into the modern times. Um, okay. So let's let me read this. I don't. Did you see the book I had? Uh, I Damn it. Oh, I was going to see if you could guess what it was. <laughs> I should have closed my eyes and then I wouldn't have seen it. And then All right, so this book here is not called Dungeons and Dragons. And I can find nowhere in the table of contents where it says the word dungeon. So let me look, and it doesn't have an index. Shame on, shame on them. Shame on them for not having an index, but... They just assume that you're going to read the book enough to know about <laughs> it. But uh, it's n I don't think Dungeon is listed here in... Um, I'm just scanning over it. There's the Doom Vault, but that that's a uh, included adventure. I don't think there's any mention of Dungeons here in the front of the book. Um, nor do I see it anywhere else. I don't even think it's got the OGL. So... Uh, but let's let's see if we can find something similar to it. So I went to a section called uh, Encounter Architecture because according to the author of this book, there are only two things that construct the the framework of the world. There's the story architecture and the encounter architecture. So this is what the author says about encounter architecture: the fine art of room design. It's time to get down to specifics. You need scenarios and layouts you can put to use at the table, not just in your head. Whether you play theater of the mind or craft full landscapes, 3D terrain, it all comes down to a clear sense of how your location and your obstacles fit together into a night of fun and challenge. Room design is the art and science of encounter architecture. And then it says this, An encounter is a scene or a chunk of gameplay that plays out in one space or connected spaces to form challenges for player progress. Uh, I'm going to skip ahead even though a lot of this is really cool. Don't let room throw you off. It can be any cohesive space, such as a patch of creepy forest, a giant cargo bay, the deck of a ship, or a series of rocks floating in space. On the other hand, it can literally be a room, a torture chamber, a cavern filling with lava, a hive-like pit of insects, or the cabin of a star cruiser. However you dream it up, these principles and archetypes will give you an innovative, detailed, and dynamic rooms to challenge 
and terrify your beloved players. And I'm not going to go through all of them, but there are two major sets of principles that follow. Three, actually. Um, the third one mentioned is challenge tuning, which I won't go into. But then it says danger, energy, and wonder. Every single one of these spaces should have a danger uh, and energy to it. That's, uh, that's how the GM presents it, like the, the GM's energy, like personal energy. And yeah, and then wonder, which I would take to be like how you do things, where you have these really weird, bizarre, flavorful, interesting things that says make it ancient, make it gigantic, make it crumbling, make it burning, make it infested, make it arcane, make it arachnid, etc. Sweeping waves of crashing like thunder, soaring black wings, a tornado of fire. Um, and so that's uh, danger, energy, wonder, which he calls do the do. And then you got know ye the three T's. Timer, um, threat, and treat. So threat is the defined monster, you know, spiked walls, whatever. Treats are your treasures, um, your cool things that you find, the information you negotiate from the NPC, and then the timer. And gosh, here I am again criticizing this poor... Now this, this thing that calls itself Dungeons & Dragons, that's the thing I think... I found missing is the timer because all the other ones have a timer uh, where it says something's going to happen in a certain number of rounds or something if you don't do a thing or even if you do a thing where the torch is running out or whatever but anyways anyways you know who we're talking about here we're talking about Hanker Inferno uh, and Index Card RPG so what do you think of that that sounds to me like what he's presenting as a dungeon yeah, I mean, that seems to line up pretty well with how I think about things. Like I said uh, in our discussion about monsters, uh, monsters are, are to me uh, a question, uh, and it seems like the encounter architecture that they use is very similar to that uh, in thought process. And yeah, the idea of architecture, uh, what was it what was it called? It's not space architecture, what's the phrase they use? Encounter architecture. Encounter architecture. Which is, uh, in, it creates a... A scene that is uh, that inhabits a chunk of game space, which are rooms, which are interconnected. Right, like that—that's really similar to how I think about it too. So, like these ideas of like just a physical space, but that physical space doesn't have to look like four stone walls and, and a you know wooden door with a sconce on the side. It can literally look like something different. You know? Okay, all right. So, if that's the case. Why do we call it Dungeons and Dragons? Why, why do you call it? Why would we call it a dungeon? Is it a tradition? It has to be. Like it, it's 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 <laughs> it's too catchy to to be something else, you know. Like, uh, what else are they gonna call it? Like lizards and labyrinths or something? Like, yeah, they yeah. There's labyrinth lord, and then you've got the labyrinth lord. Uh, you've got maze rats. Maze rats, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, you need you need a thing in a space, and you have the game. That's the game. It's a thing in space. Oh yeah, yeah. You could you could abstract it further. I think <laughs> I think it get more abstract. It's not fun anymore. I think thing in a space is about the best thing. You're gonna have a thing in a space, and you want someone else to see it. That's that's the game. You put a you yeah. you draw a square. You put a funny looking character in the center of that square, and then you show it to a friend. That's the game. And you got to have something that's going to drive 
Mm, yeah. So then you're like, the what, thing. what? How can I incentivize? How can I incentivize these people to come and look at this thing that I drew? Like that, that's that's the game. You, yeah, you don't want a museum. You don't want a what is it we used to call it? A screensaver. Mm, yeah, screensaver. <laughs> we used to call it a screensaver. Uh, your camera's going nuts. It's hilarious. Oh, I don't yes. know if you can see that. I can't, but I believe it because I have really poor internet. <laughs> oh no. Well. Um, yeah, you don't want a screensaver, so the difference is some something that makes it dynamic. Uh, and Hank Infernal, he he fills these pages up with uh, make it dynamic. That's almost like the whole thing. And and uh, you know ways you do that is by filling it with wonder, by having energy yourself, by having a timer, by having scary threats or things that, like treats that you want. These are all things that make that space where you have a place with a thing, and then uh, it becomes dynamic and. Uh, and that dynamic thing, uh, you make choices about it, and then interesting things arise from it that you don't expect. And that's that's a lot of fun. Okay, so let's travel further forward in time, about ten years. This is my this is my last stop along the journey here. Okay, the Shadow Dark. What is Shadow Dark? The sh- the Shadow Dark is any place where danger and darkness hold sway. It clutches ancient secrets and dusty treasures in its rotting claws, daring fortune seekers to tempt their fates. With your adventuring companions at your side, you confront the shadow dark sinister traps, its formidable magics, and ruthless monsters. If you survive, you'll bring back untold riches plucked from the jaws of death itself. And before long, You'll hear the Shadow Dark's call again. Nice. That's funny there, is they don't they don't talk about graph paper. Yep, no graph paper. Um but here the Shadow Dark is a person with a will. Right. It's kinda of, kinda of the opposite of the other idea of it's a space, right? If it's a space yeah. and the things in it, but what if the space is the thing? Like that's, that's oh boy, a, that's <laughs> that's a whole other thing. Now, now, now the space is a thing, and where is the thing? It is where it is because it is the space. It's yeah, a, it's a Ouroboros of <laughs> game design there. <laughs> and now, and that to me is uh, very confusing. But uh, I understand the gist of it, and I think that. Uh, it tunes into uh, Hanker and Fernandel, also known as Rune Hammers. Uh, his the way he preaches about the limbic system, and the limbic system, you know, it's the part of your brain processes emotion. And um, Kyle Latino from uh, Mapcro or the Splat Book, uh, they talk about uh, setting your brain and heart on fire, and this idea of like getting you super pumped about it because there's something elemental about it there's something elemental about uh rpgs uh and there's something elemental about uh game design and something elemental about bringing that energy with you to the table and like i think that paragraph uh about talking about the shadow dark that is a very clear vivid image that that game designer has for their game and and it's really hard to paint a clearer picture than that yeah okay so we have these um, ideas of what these spaces are 
uh, a lot of these older games and one from 2014, which was recently revised, um, call them dungeons. Um, so you're saying a dungeon could be a space. We've said a dungeon can be a person. Um, what should a dungeon not be? What, what should it not be? Oh, we said screensaver. Uh, it's not a screensaver. Yeah, wait, let's go back to that. So when we say screensaver, because we talked about that years ago now, what, what is something when it's a screensaver? Uh, a picture that's doing the heavy lifting. Uh, a picture that is stagnant and something to look at, and you can't interact with it. You can't change it. It right. is what it yeah. is. If a screensaver is up, the only thing you can do is make it go away. You can't actually talk to it, interact with it, change it. It's just going to do its thing, yeah. Yeah, interesting. If, if it's a picture of a, you know, flagship, it's going to be that flagship, and you can't open the portholes, you can't unfurl the sails. It is just the ship, and it is what it is. So, um, yeah, you don't, you can't have a dungeon be stagnant. You can't, you can't have it be unmalleable by the players or the monsters. Um, I, I like. The opposite of that, like my one of my favorite dungeons I ever ran, was this like ice tomb, and the walls were made of ice, and the players learned they could literally melt the walls with their torches and make secret wow. passageways. But if they left them for long enough, the hallways would refreeze and reclose, so they could actually tell they had limited time and they had to move quickly, where they get frozen in place. And this idea of the walls freezing back, in, and it was the most malleable dungeon I've ever made. Uh, and it became very crucial to keep track of time <laughs> because the time was the main force of that game. I think, um, but yeah, like that is like the epitome of what a better dungeon is. A, a, a poor dungeon is one that's stagnant still and does not change and leaves the players with no agency. Wow. Wait, what is agency? Can you define that? What does that mean? Uh, ability to make a difference, ability to make a change, ability to make a choice, uh, uh, to interact, uh, to have buttons to press. These are all ways that I express what agency is, uh, but what are ways that you express what agency is? I would disagree, and this is a recent thing, because actually I, I used to say that too. I used to say that all the time, is there needs to be dials and buttons. I think I said that, like, like imagine the world had dials and buttons and you could press buttons and move dials in the world and i think i have decided that that is maybe mm, only maybe only sometimes correct or partially correct mm. to the point i wouldn't i wouldn't say it anymore and the reason i say that is uh there are things where um a, a button implies there's an interface or an intermediary right. between you and the thing right uh whereas your imagination can can bring you right there Makes and it can sense. even give you the result and it can can do all that um yeah a button is limited to the signal that it was pre-programmed to relay right uh, right if you press an x button it's going to only know to send an x signal um so, yeah so that makes a lot of sense right yeah, and I think that can make things much more dynamic. An example of this, to be concrete and not be kind of abstract about it, is in old-school dungeon crawling, something I enjoy is adding tons of flavor and hints to doors. Two doors, mm. just every door. So one of the fun organizational things in the old school is that when you get to a dungeon level in the beginning, typically, 
uh, it will describe, all right, on this level, the doors are like this. They're uh, heavy wooden with iron banding. Um, most doors here, or most doors are sliding stone or sliding wood. And so I will present some doors as hints that there might be something else. Um, uh, so like in the Tower of Xenopus, there are passageways which are less than a grid. They're, they're, they make you like they're fat man's misery. They make you squeeze in and gather your things and you have to hunch over and shimmy your way through. And uh, those aren't always secret, but they indicate differences in construction. So this, this allows for choices and they'll be able right. to, to remember those hints later. Like, you know, actually, whenever we find these narrow passages, it often leads to unimproved areas. Uh, it right. often leads into places that haven't been finished yet. Or it was something where they needed a sally gate, or they needed to be able to move around. These aren't areas that are main thoroughfares. And they could make these inferences, or they could investigate the world, and, uh, and the world would be honest about it. And, um, and I, I love doing that with doors. So some doors, one of the things that was brutally old school, in a way that they enjoyed when we first played Rappanothic in the very first session ever, is one of the doors, they pulled on it, and it was a heavy oaken door, ancient, petrified. It had been in the stale dungeon air for eons uh, and uh, with rusty iron banding. They pull on one, you know, and it, it, they can hear it creak. Now, this, this telegraphs because, you know, we're telegraphing lethality. We're giving hints, right? Right. But you don't do that once. You do it continually. And, I, and, I, and so, like, oh, wait, these doors can creak. Whereas in other games, you may have a referee who's just not going to get... That's not going to be a part of it. But all right, okay, now this door creaks. So they go to another door, and it they start to pull on it, and there's this mechanic in the old game, you know, stuck doors. Right. You know, so you could have doors that are stuck, um, and uh, and they... And it's it grinds to a halt, but then it keeps going. So I give them these two data points, but when it keeps going... They have to push on the uh, the, uh, the uh, against the um, the hinge, and uh, when they open the door, it destroys the hinge. Mm. Now they chose this room as a fallback room, so they came back into the same room where the door falls off the hinge. Right now they were given that information. <laughs> Yeah. So then they come back and try to sh shut the door, and it falls off, and these lethal uh, centipedes come in, swarm the room, and kill one of the characters. And that sounds terrible, but they were able to make real choices. Like, it was there. Like, they could choose, and that, uh, the information was there, you know. And um, there, there are so many things like that that you can do. Um, and I saw you do that tonight. Um, I was just like, this is so flavorful and so specific. Oh, yeah. You essentially, uh, you you talked about an alternative to embalming. Mm. And uh, and I to the, it's still a mystery, but this is an example of how you can signal the world and talk about what the world is saying. Uh, and there were just layers of this. Um, I don't think it, you should ever give too many especially because we play theater of the mind but you right. gave this one detail and um and my mind immediately thought 
okay, we encountered all this religious stuff. We encountered uh, these other flowers. In fact, this has already happened twice. And, and then I thought about lime, how sometimes bodies mm, are yeah. either protected or preserved in lime, which is a similar thing. And, uh, and, and it had so much depth and flavor, and it was just one detail. In fact, you only had to say like three or four words. Uh, so that was really good. That was an example of, of like a, a dungeon offering a lot of information and being really doing, you know, being, doing really well. Um, okay, so we've went on this journey, talked about like what what is a dungeon. Maybe a dungeon is everything. Maybe it's nothing. <laughs> maybe we don't need to call them dungeons. Right. Uh, maybe a dungeon is a person. Uh, maybe it has a will. Maybe it doesn't. And then we talked about what dungeons aren't and what you shouldn't do with dungeons. And we talked about it, some things you can do. What are some, like, unique... Gosh, I'm afraid to ask you this question because oh. your, your stuff is always unique. Uh, so I can't even imagine. But, like, what is, like, a, a, a interesting or unique dungeon that you haven't gotten to yet that you want to either play in or run? Mm. I, I've always wanted to do the trope of, uh, you know, go into the body, like go microscopic and see what's like inside the human body. You know, that's like. Oh man, but, that's awesome! But, yeah. but I want to do like the dragon scale of that. Like we we adventurers have to go do the dragon, the investigation. And like I started to toy around with like, what are dragon bodily fluids like? What does that have to do with like? I pictured their like, yeah like like dragon milk. Can you describe what dragon milk is like in my world? Uh, it, uh, farts, <laughs> it and, farts, uh, yeah. it's, it smells so bad that it can, like, knock you unconscious and kill you. Yep, it's lethal. Lethal milk. Imagine that. Yeah. I guess that's what yeah, lactose intolerance is in my general. brain. <laughs> wow, I cannot even think that way. Like, you took the, the substance of life, liquid gold, and you're like, yeah, but what if no, actually? <laughs> <laughs> what if it's actually <laughs> antithesis like, of like, life? Like, <laughs> like I can't even do that. But it became like That's the so it, good. it became the highlight for many of the players. It's like, hey, let's go poke the fart milk again. Like that was like their highlight of the game. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was like me yeah. toying around with like starting to think about it. But I've never actually delved into the like I want to make that the whole dungeon. Like the whole dungeon is you're just yeah. exploring the arcane biomancy of what a dragon is. Yeah, the the Tarask dungeon. Mm, yeah, the, where you like go through the whole, the whole thing. Yeah. What about you? Um, oh, uh, oh my gosh. Um, you know, one of the things I'm afflicted with is I, first of all, I just want to do all the RPGs, and second of all, I have like a bucket list. Like I have mm. like all these things I want to do, and uh, immediately my mind goes to genre. So I'll tell you some that I like kind of plan to do, and then I'll tell you some that I wish I could do. One that I've always kind of wanted that made sense to me is just post-apocalyptic. Like, because to me, it's perfect. It just makes sense with dungeons. Um, I'm thinking it'll probably be something like Gamma World, because uh, it's just perfect. Like, you have to go get scrap and items, and uh, you have to haul it back, and you have to go into old sites and travel there, and... Uh, it's dangerous. It's just perfect for 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 that. Um, and what I plan to do, I think, I'm, I'm, this is kind of in the formation stage, is I, I I've I've never given up on Outlaw Void. Ooh. So like a space opera, space western, 
um, but a, what I call a kitchen sink fantasy one where, mm-hmm. you know, you can have all sorts of gonzo wacky elements and it's kind of loose and over the top and meant to be kind of fun. Um, but also, you know, blasters. a little bit. Yeah. And, but, but then blasters and stuff and starships. Um, I think when I tr- first tried to outlaw void, I really wanted traveler because it was too gritty, but you also couldn't really take it seriously because it was too goofy. <laughs> right, but, yeah. So, <clears throat> but what I didn't really do, because I, I didn't have the hardware to do it at the time, the game system designed for it, uh, I've, I've really, I think I've figured out this original D&D gameplay loop. In previous episodes of the podcast, this past month of December, this episode's going to come out in January, and uh, in the first episode of that, I, uh, I ask, can you play D&D in space? And the answer initially, I think is fair to say, you don't have to. There are games for that. Like, oh, I just want to start right. with that. Uh, like, you can just play a sci-fi RPG if you want sci-fi. But, but what I want to do is, like, literally go into space dungeons mm-hmm. and get space loot and sell it at the space store, and then go to the space tavern. <laughs> right. And that is a different thing. That's yeah, the, the, like so I, when I say D and D in space, I mean li- I mean for real, like actually space dungeons with space dragons. I think that's a very different take on like uh, not escaping the genre. Like you, you want to take the genre and you want to make it into a new genre. You don't want sci-fi wholesale, otherwise you just play, you know, Mothership. Right, Or you, you exactly. play any of these other great RPGs that already do that. Uh, and when people talk about, like, how do you turn 5e into, you know, uh, Harry Potter? I want to play Harry Potter with 5e rules. So, like, that's not... It's the opposite of that. Like, how do we get the game loop into this genre? Like, because that's what you want, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, that, to me, is yeah, exactly. so interesting. I've never even thought of desiring something like that. Like, to me... The the genre is usually what I crave, but to crave the like the game design, the game loop, the ethos of it, that's that's really cool. Well, Dungeons and Dragons is actually just a really easy game. When you talk about RPGs, uh, that's why it's so long lasting and it endures because this it's essentially a to me a mechanization and gameplay of the hero's journey. You go on a you go on a journey with friends, and you go into the mythic underworld. You go into a dangerous place, and you encounter the uh, the thresholds of danger uh, through which a hero must pass to get the boon and bring it back. And uh, and along the way, you have hijinks and stories and time with friends. Mm. And uh, and it creates an engine of that where people end up having stories together. And um, so it works so well that, uh, to me, uh, I would say the gameplay loop is just an easy way to have fun. And I also, a thing that people don't talk about, that maybe we ought to talk about more, is like you and I here on the podcast uh, mm-hmm. at, the, at the tavern, is um, like just facilitating the game. What do you do if you only have one player? What if you only have two players? What if they're brand new? What if it's online versus offline? What if they're, what if they're eight years old? What if they're a senior citizen? What if they're from another cult? So there's like all these different, you know. What if it's a noisy environment? Mm, yeah. <laughs> what if, it, <laughs> what what if it's so like? There's all this kind of like hosting skill 
and this uh, how do you set the game up that plays into it. And I'm wanting to create a game that's very, very easy to drop in. And you know what that is to me is Dungeons and Dragons. Dungeons and Dragons is very easy to drop in and say, you're going to go and try to find da uh, treasure in a dangerous place. That's that's pretty, and, and we've done that a lot. We've been very successful with that. Yeah, it's it's like you said, it's kind of one of those evergreen things about it that makes it so accessible. And and yeah, whenever I think of Dungeons and Dragons as as like accessible and easy, I think of it as like a relaxed, uh, you know. Uh, beer and pretzel type of uh experience this this uh you know experience that you have or like like if you're if you're talking about like board games and you like have a big bunch of friends over and stuff like do we play monopoly do we play risk do we play life like all these different games have different rules different procedures but they also have a different way about it like a different thing that they bring to the table um like especially nowadays with the way game design works in board games but um but like those games versus something like twister uh, it's an incredibly different game when it comes to accessibility. Uh, and I think the thing is, is there's a misconception about indie games and folk games uh, that they are they are complex and they have lots of rules and stuff. And it's like, no, they're just a different experience. Like they 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 are they are different. You can have a different, unique experience without having the rules attached to it. Um, but some games uh, have great rules and stuff, but they don't have that accessibility of that that core game loop that's that's so simple and it's funny because i never really thought of that as like an actual key feature of it i've never thought of like the the game loop as the part that makes it so easy yeah i um yeah i think so <laughs> <laughs> i think that is part of it and uh and it is intuitive um now I just had a conversation with Matt Finch about this, uh, actually, and so that's going to be on the that will have been on the podcast um, at this point about a month and a half ago. Uh, the conversation I had with Matt Finch, um, and together uh, he's going to re-release something that some people call the the Finch Manifesto, which is a document that says, "Okay, you want to try an old school game? Here's what you should know going into it." But it was pinned in 2008. Uh, and so he's going to re-release it. So he and I, I, I like kind of, uh, um, I kind of like poked his brain a lot on this and workshopped with him. What does that look like in 2023? And we came up with some interesting results that for me would have been the mirror opposite of how I felt a year ago. Now, one of the things that we, we came up with, uh, talking about it is that honestly, if you have been into RPGs for a while, and you're trying to get into folk, indie, or old-school RPGs, something minimalist, it can be very hard. Mm. And what I would propose is that, in terms of this minimalism, what it is, is it's a, there's a zen. There's a zen aspect, because uh, if you take someone who has ran games, uh, RPGs, that are complex, or have a lot of... Um, implied i call it an orthodoxy like it has like this right. is how you ought to do it and there's like a whole kind of cloud over it about how you're supposed to do things uh and and somebody's been in that for a long time like i was like me so i had this experience they might actually struggle and it may be something uh, a a thing that they have to learn but if you take a eight-year-old child they will have no problems right with an indie folk or old school rpg it'll just It'll just make perfect sense. And it'll be actually easier, way easier, for them to get into it 
than if they were to try to get into a rules complex game. Yeah, I agree. That's that's crazy though uh, to think that like sometimes people's preconceived uh, or like the things that they have inherently understood about it uh, actually block them from understanding it. Yeah, that's some Jedi stuff. <laughs> it's Jedi stuff for real. Yeah. Um, well, cool. Um, once again, uh, Jake, thanks a lot for hanging out with me at the tavern. And, um, and I, yeah, I, I am uh, sad that they're taking that down. I, I really wanted to hang that trophy there. You see the, the new mount that they bought? Some ranger got that last week. Uh, I mean, yeah, but... Uh, but that means that, that I mean, have to take mine, and I don't know where I'm going to put it. Okay, yeah, everybody's got monster trophies. It's yeah, it's such a it's a problem. I feel so bad for everybody. I think this means I, mean, I have to go claim a new dungeon or something. Yeah. You can come with me this I'm, time. I uh, I'm I, I, I'm 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 going to get back with you on that. <laughs> so and take um, us a no again. Well, no, no, you know, I, I just, my schedule's kind of full. Uh, I've got some crafting uh, things I'm doing. I've got some carousing. Uh, I've got some uh, rumors. I, I'm just, I'm busy. I, you know? I mean, you know, I heard, I heard the game only exists in the dungeon, but I mean. Oh, uh, well, that, I don't know. That doesn't sound right. I don't know about that. <laughs> All right. Good night, Ross. Thanks for having me. All right. All right I'll see you. Mythic Mountains RPG is a private online play club that focuses on folk RPGs. Folk RPGs are the games that belong to all of us. They're what actually happens at a table between friends. It's their voice that has the authority on what is fun and what works for them. Weekly, we upload our games to allow others to sit in with us. The channel isn't monetized. We don't own the artwork, music, software, or games shown in these actual plays, and you can find links to their authors in the description. Like, subscribe, and share if you wish, or don't. Just like games in person, you're welcome to pull up a chair, set in, and watch some of our games. No performances, no fancy equipment, just regular people playing folk, pencil and paper role-playing games, and having a good time. We hope these games will prove a source of enjoyment to anyone just wanting to listen in, anyone looking for examples of how actual groups run and play folk RPGs, and most importantly, if you haven't found your group yet, you're welcome here. Thank you.